hello to everybody who thinks Bruce is a good name for a cat. It's beautiful anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. Chris Gathard here. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. Such a joy. Such a joy to be able to do this show. Last week's call, um, our caller who lost DACA status. Really fascinating to read the feedback to that one. A lot of people going, wow, yeah, I mean, it's a really big mistake. Also, should a young person's entire life be defined by one mistake to this degree? Fascinating to wrap their heads around it. And in case the caller didn't see it, Beautiful Anonymous, the Facebook group, there was one listener who actually um, left a link to an article about people in your exact situation figuring out uh, whether crimes can be expunged from your record, which ones can and can't. I thought that was such a thoughtful thing. The caller had clearly read up on this before, uh, or, or the uh, listener rather had read up on this before and wanted to make sure the caller knew like, hey, there's people dealing with this. And here's an article about how it's being dealt with in the real world. So one of the many thoughtful listeners who hangs out at the Beautiful Anonymous Facebook community, thank you. Anybody who's wondering my next live shows, Austin, Texas, my ticket sales are so bad. And so many of you guys came out last time. So I feel like I'm, I'm not doing good word spreading it. Eight, August 18th, uh, 19th, 20th, 21st, I'll be in Austin, Texas doing stand-up. Tickets are at chrisgeth.com. And ticket sales are so bad that I, you hear, I'm actually giggling with glee at, uh, at, at how bad. So maybe we could change the momentum where I'm giggling with, with, without all the nervousness. Anyway, not about me. It's about this week's caller. This one I love, man. I mean, just from the title, you can tell, Porno Disco Parties. What's that about? Here's what it's about. Our caller lives in a cooperative housing situation. Now, as somebody who came up uh, really involved in the punk rock music world, I'm aware of these sort of collective housing situations. There's a lot of artist collectives that I still perform at all over the country where people live in the space and arts created in the space. And I've always found them to be like really, really important to art scenes and towards creative growth. I think they're a healthy thing, but I also have always wondered, what's it really like behind closed doors over there? What's it like to live inside a situation like that? And this caller talks about uh, what it's like to live in their situation. And there's talk of drugs and there's talk of, yes, porno disco parties and lube, a lot of talk of lube. And it's wild and ridiculous. But guess what? The caller is also a thoughtful person with life experience and more to share beyond just the sensationalistic stuff I'm telling you about now. Enjoy it all. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Oh, hello. Hi. (laughs) I had my phone muted. Oh, that makes sense. How's it going? It's going well. Um, yeah, I'm just on my way home. Perfectly good timing, though, because I'm like two minutes away. So this is great. Um, how are you doing? How am I doing? Um, I would say it's, it's a very layered answer for the, your guy right now. I would say good. And then in the macro level, things have been kind of rough lately, but I'm, I'm on it. And um, it's, I feel like I'm not the only one who's dealing with this where it, it like, 
we're all getting vaccinated. It's starting to feel like an end in sight for the pandemic. And my mental health just had like a major slip, unlike anything in years. And I went, whoa, what was that? And then I get the sense though, that there's, I think a lot of us having that. Yeah, I feel that really hard. And it's been crazy for me because my therapist is on maternity leave. So like oh, no. the past couple of weeks been on maternity leave, my mental health has just been like, crazy and i'm like can i know it's important for you to have your time with your baby but i can we talk soon it's really it makes you feel these people who dedicate their lives towards like the service of others it's like but also you don't get to go on vacation what you can't go on vacation i i need things exactly (laughs) yeah that's how i feel sometimes but Need to respect your boundaries. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, it's fair. I had, I had, I've been having. I'm back to weekly. Had a really good session yesterday. It's um, it's all all good, all good. So yeah, some concerning stuff, but overall good is my answer. Good, glad to hear that. Um, yeah. Well, let's see. I don't know if we just want to start by talking a little bit um, or if you want to jump right in. Um, It's up to you. I'm good with either. Um, What would you prefer for this hour? I say let's jump in. Let's make sure we get as much time as we can to get to whatever you're hoping to get to. All right. Great. Um, So, and why this is perfect timing that this call is happening as I'm driving home is that I live at a um, cooperative house in, I think I can say the state, but not the city. So I'm in Texas, which once you hear what a co-op is, might sound confusing that it exists in Texas since we're a traditionally conservative state. Um, But yeah, and honestly, living in a co-op, which is the shorthand version of it, has been the best thing I've ever done. in my entire life, I've made the best friends here. Um, I met my girlfriend here. And, oh, and before I really kind of go into it more, I just want to say thank you to y'all um, at the show and your producers because I appreciate that y'all asked what my pronouns were. That means a lot to me. Oh, I mean, uh, that's very nice. Happy to do it. It's, and I, I'll admit, it's one, one of the things... I, I'm a big fan of of letting the guard down and saying we do, we do that because we learn over time. It's not something we always did, and then we learned that it can solve a lot of it can erase a lot of awkwardness and uh, and avoid people having to feel stress if we just ask first. And you learn you learn over time. Yeah. Ask people their pronouns yeah, before you start sure. helps. And then you avoid situations where you don't, and then they have to correct you and you're on the air apologizing. And it's it's another, I think so much. It's like one of these things where you say, it's pretty simple and it's not a huge deal. And you learn, you learn over time. Yeah, I feel that so hard. And if we have time when we're done talking about the co-op, I would love to maybe chat about being non-binary a little bit. I know it's one of those identities that tends to confuse people. So I'm always here to help educate. I love that. I love that. 
So yeah, I'm glad we're jumping right into it then. So cooperative house, in my understanding, correct all the things I have wrong, is this is a situation where you go into a living, you go into a living scenario where everybody's in it together. You're pooling resources, you're, you're pooling work, food is all bought collectively, chores are divvied up collectively, responsibilities are divvied up collectively. So it's sort of um, kind of like a somewhere between like a more tangled up roommate situation and a chosen family situation. That's what I take it to mean. Yeah, I feel like you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Um, the chosen family, 100%. Um, and so the way mine works is we are under a nonprofit, and the nonprofit runs a few cooperative houses. And so the house that I'm actually living in is a really old Victorian mansion that was built in the 1800s. Um, and right now, because of COVID, our numbers are a bit small. When I first moved in, we had about 19 people. Now we have, I think, 13. Um, but I moved in and I really only knew one person who was living here, one of my friends, which is kind of why I decided to move in. And it really perspective of how I want to live my life. Um, for a few reasons. One, when you first move in, um, you just get acquainted with all these people that become your best friends. Um, and so like you said, we divvy up chores. Um, rent is a little bit cheaper because of that. And so it is this collective effort to both keep the house clean, make sure that our food is stocked. Um, it's great because especially as someone who has mental health problems, it's difficult for me to take care of myself. So we get meals five days a week made for us. That's part of people's labor. I cook on Thursdays. Um, and we also have meetings where we have set up our own kind of little government um, where we elect different positions. I actually, obviously now during COVID, it's not a thing. But when I first moved in here, I was elected to be education officer. But really, I just ran the parties that we threw because cooperative parties are really, really fun. I moved in here when I was in college, but I graduated now and I'm still living here. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. I got a lot of questions. One. I know that, you know, I, I have uh, pretty strong roots in the DIY music world and came up a fan of musicians and going to shows and environments like that. And then as a comedian, really felt like I was embraced to perform in spaces like the modern versions of spaces like that. It was a really beautiful thing for me. I always, so I associate very often these types of living situations with things like that, with artist spaces, artist collectives. You mentioned parties. Is your co-op something along those lines or is it just more of a, a broad communal thing without an attached focus like that? Um, so I would say that pre-pandemic, it was definitely more focused on the DIY art scene um, in the city I'm living in. Like 100%. Um, I also, before I moved in here, was really into the DIY music scene um, in this city. And so I kind of brought that as the education officer and I would reach out to bands. We got all these local bands playing um, at all the different parties I threw. I say parties, they're kind of more like shows, I would say. 
um, in our dining room, we cleared all the furniture. There's a whole mosh pit and everything. Um, and we also, we accept donations at the door and we sell drinks. Um, like, don't tell that overriding nonprofit because technically we're not supposed to serve alcohol. But, um, and we, the last party we threw before quarantine, we made over $1,000 and donated it to the local animal shelter. That's cool. No one can argue with that. Next question. 13 people currently at 1.19 people. How many bathrooms are in this house? <laughs> Great question. So there's four. Um, there's four floors. I currently live in the basement. There's one on each floor. Yeah. Um, no one else uses the basement bathroom since there's only one room down here, which is pretty nice. But the other ones get really crowded. Like this morning, I was brushing my teeth. My girlfriend, like, runs and knocks on the bathroom door, like panicked and is like, I have to get to class, but all the bathrooms are being used. And I'm like, okay, babe, you can take a shower. I can brush my teeth in the kitchen. So you live in the basement by yourself. Is this sort of like you will put up with the, the bugs and vermin in exchange for a little more privacy than allowed on other houses of other floors of the house? I wouldn't say bugs and vermin. Um, no, but I think I definitely do put up with like, there being no light <laughs> for a bit more privacy. Um, I used to live on the first floor and then, and that room is really great, but I had to move out because I graduated. But then my living situation was very unhealthy. My housemate tried to kill my cat. So I had to move what? out and I moved. I was lucky enough. Yeah, I know it was crazy. It's a whole thing. Um, but if you want to ask more questions, you can. <laughs> um, but since she tried to kill my cat, I moved out and I was lucky enough that even though I'm not a student, um, the nonprofit that my house is under really cares about mental well-being and personal safety. So they allowed me to move back in. Um, and the basement was the only room that was open. So now I'm down here. <laughs> so this is not associated with the university, but it's generally viewed as housing for students of the university in this town? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So you don't necessarily have to be a student to live here, but it is primarily students. Right now, I'm the only non-student, um, which has been interesting because it's just it's weird being around students when you just were a student and they're still all your friends, but you're graduated and you change so much after graduation and getting different jobs. And um, it's been interesting living with students and not being one, but that's fine. How is the cat doing? Oh, he's doing all right. Aren't you? Um, he's, yeah, he's doing good. He's a little kitten still, but he's growing so fast. I'm holding him in my arms right now. First, do you want to meow for Chris? No, he doesn't. Would have been amazing. <laughs> if you convinced a kitten to meow and demand, that would have been amazing. We I know. Just, Sometimes he does it. <laughs> we just had our neighbor's cat came into our house this morning and wouldn't leave. It's never happened before. My, my son loved it. Oh my gosh. My son lost his mind. So he cute. loved it. The cat wound up scratching him though because my son obviously just started rampaging with joy and the cat was like, correctly viewed him as a threat and scratched his little foot. Now he's got a <laughs> band-aid, but he learned a lesson. So you're painting this picture of you've learned so much about yourself. This type of living is great. Um, I'm with you. I'm sure it does have its challenges, its uphill battles. There must be some people who are not good cooks. You have to eat their food. There must be some people who drop their mm. drop the uh, drop the their end of the of the load as far as the responsibilities. You have to have awkward conversations. How do these things go down? 
Yeah, I mean, very relevant right now. Um, so I can kind of walk you through an answer with an anecdote because we actually um, have a housemate right now who has not been following our COVID protocol and kind of with cooperative living, especially during a pandemic, we focus on collective health. And so we do have these protocols and we're not here to police what people do, but when you are putting the health of, you know, the 12 other people you live with in danger, um, we do have systems in place and it creates a lot of conflict, but we have, so we have conflict resolution meetings, um, that we can schedule with the nonprofit and someone who lives at another house owned by the nonprofit will come in and have a conflict mediation discussion. We also have, we're in the process of setting up a, what's called a member review, which is basically like, Hey, so you broke the COVID protocol. You haven't done your labor for the past three weeks. Um, you have been lying to us about, paying your rent on time. So the member review is a chance for us all to be like, hey, these are the issues of why we don't think our cooperative house is a fit for you. Um, and we can vote on whether or not to evict the member. Um, I personally don't like voting on whether or not to evict someone because I feel bad, but that comes with living in a co-op is taking that personal responsibility and making those difficult decisions for the betterment of the community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you been in a situation yet where you have had to kick someone out? So no, we're in the process of you know, peak pandemic last summer. Um, this man who was living here went to a bar with like, 300 people and so we had a whole member review process for him um kind of driven particularly by the nonprofit office because they also want to uplift collective health and they thought thought that it would be a good idea to um evict him but due to these non-eviction notice during covid we weren't able to do that so we just had a member review and then it was really awkward because the guy didn't actually go anywhere because we weren't legally able to evict him during COVID. <laughs> so you, you have a meeting where you go, hey, you have to stop messing around. This is scaring all of us. It's not healthy. But then because there's a non-eviction notice, this person's just hanging out anyway. And you all have to just <laughs> cook each other food and pretend like it's still all kumbaya there in the co-op. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Pretend it's kumbaya in the co-op. I like that phrase. I'm going to say it around here a lot more now. <laughs> Please do. Please do. And tell them Gethard said. Gethard said, let's not all pretend things are all kumbaya in the co-op. We all know things go down. Now, yeah. you've, you've said this is a very eye-opening way to live. You feel like it's been a net positive. I feel like this is something that the people who participate in it, you don't tend to see too many people, and, and this is not true across the board. I feel like in general, to hear that people are college-aged, this is this is pretty common. Um, I don't think you see too many people, or as many people, rather, um, living in this cooperative fashion as they get a few decades older. Why do you think that is? Um, I think that just as someone who's lived in the co-op for a long time, um, living in a co-op is really great because 
you are surrounded by people who become your best friends um, and you are taken care of in a way. But as someone who's lived here for a long time, it can get draining to kind of have the constant drama, um, even if it's not necessarily something as serious as a member of you. It's something really small like, oh, we're out of coffee in the kitchen and someone sent like a snarky text in our group message, you know. And so to a certain extent, sometimes it gets frustrating. Um, and when I was living alone in the period that I wasn't living here before it, it turned bad with my housemate, um, I really enjoyed being able to be like, oh, there's no drama. Also, when you're in a co-op for a long time, you realize that, well, the co-op I live in is definitely one of the cleanest. Um, out of all the ones that I've seen, probably is the cleanest, to be honest, but it's still dirty. It's still, you know, a bunch of young adults living together. And the best thing is, like, when you live alone, it's like, oh, who is the idiot who left that dish out? Oh, wait, I was the idiot who left the dish out. Versus in a co-op, it's like, okay, who hasn't cleaned their plate for four days? It's one of my friends, and I'm mad at one of my friends. You know? it's, it's one of the 18 people who I live with in a quasi-government under one roof. Exactly. <laughs> Was that member review situation with COVID the most drama you've ever seen in a co-op? Um, I don't know if it was the most, I think it was the most drama just because there were less people living here because peak COVID, there were only about eight of us and seven of us, the other seven people besides, or six people, including myself, besides the one guy who was breaking all the COVID rules, were all on the same page. Um, and so the way the drama intensified there was really just like, I became best, like I would die for any of the people I shared this house with last summer. Um, last summer was a lot. A lot of stuff went on um, in this house, in these walls. But um, so the drama there originated from like us all being on the same page versus there's been more dramatic situations where it's been like everyone against each other um, and people yelling at like 2 a.m. because someone's playing music. And there's, while the member review situation was stressful, I would say that there's like smaller, more dramatic things that happened where there's been more conflict since there were more people involved, if that makes sense. What's the juiciest goss when you look back on your co-op life? This is what we want, right? What's the juicy goss? That's all I want from the, from the co-op life. What's the juicy goss? We'll be back with the goss and a whole lot more. Thanks to all our advertisers for bringing this show to the world. Now, let's resume the phone call. What's the juiciest goss when you look back on your co-op life? Ooh. <laughs> I don't know if this is the juiciest gossip. Um, this is just an example of how really small things can turn into really big things. Um, one day, my girlfriend, we have a, um, 
I mean, our kitchen is like an industrial kitchen. And so we have this giant fridge and my girlfriend and one of my other housemates one morning woke up, we do little personality charts in whiteboard marker on the fridge. And they made a personality chart that was like big boobs versus big brains. Right. And it was like, tag yourself, like on the spectrum, are you more big brains? Are you more big boobs? And people around the house got very offended where they were placed. Um, for example, one of my best friends was put near closer to big boobs and she thought that she should have been closer to big brains. And so it was just a lot more like infighting amongst the friend group for like a week that became very stressful. I don't know if that's juicy, though. So, I need to keep thinking. I should have told more stories before I called. Wait, I want to be clear, though. So a whiteboard, which and what I, what sounds to me like it was meant that something to be sort of playful and intentionally dumb. You more big brains, you more big boobs. Became yeah. something that was actually causing hurt and anger and pain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. So, Love things it. like that sometimes escalate. Now... What's the difference between a co-op and like an artsy-fartsy frat house? How is this not just an artsy-fartsy frat house? Well, um, I would say there's a few things. I'm about to get on my soapbox about Greek life for a second, but uh, not a frat house because fraternities and sororities are based in like an institution that has roots in slavery and racism versus our house is set up in a way that um, we, in our house documents, we have established an anti-racist, um, document. We have all been through racial equity training. Um, we are also, I would say in a artsy fartsy frat house, probably still a lot of just like straight people versus this house is primarily queer. Um, also you don't have to pay membership dues. You really just pay your rent. Um, so it's not like a frat house in that way either. Good answers. That was a good, for a question that I just kind of um, farted out of my brain, really good answers that clearly have been thought through a lot. Uh, those ones jump yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Um, you met your girlfriend in the house. Mm-hmm. How does that go down? Oh, okay. Well... So we met um, when she first moved in fall of 2019 Um, and we had like a little bit of a flirtation going, but I was seeing this guy that I knew um, since freshman year of college, unhealthy situation, should not have been sleeping with him, but that's by the point. Um, Once COVID started and he was able to just, I was able to be like, look, you're out of my life. It's COVID. Please go away. Um, Cause I've been trying to get him out of my life for a little bit. Um, we started COVID and it was one of these days. So COVID beginning COVID at the co-op was a lot of drugs, a lot of us just like partying nonstop because we were all students at the time. And didn't have classes or classes were online so it was like we are all just stuck in this giant victorian mansion like what do we do oh let's do some drugs and what, um, kind, of, what kind of drugs are we so, talking here what are the co-op drugs of choice 
Um, I would say primarily weed. Um, my girlfriend's actually the house dealer. So that's fun. Um, it's really nice dating a plug, <laughs> but also um, psychedelic shrooms, acid, um, a little bit of cocaine. Um, we have some DMT, but we haven't done it yet. Uh, let's see what else. We had a rolling day where we all took some Molly. Um, one of my housemates was doing ketamine, but that wasn't like a whole house thing. Um, but I would say, I mean, kind of everyone, every type of drug exists in this house. Um, <laughs> but primarily what we do together is like smoke weed, trip together, roll together, things like that. Now, I just have to say, I just have to say, this call just hit a turning point. And I want to underline it because <laughs> I feel like it's been interesting up until now. Very listenable. I've enjoyed it. But I bet that there are many people out there going, okay, this is like some college kid. Um, maybe like, oh, yeah, while you're in your college years, go live in a co-op. Isn't it? Right? And then it's just like, or is this a lifestyle? Well, I think we just answered that question. What kind of drugs in the co-op? Let's see, ketamine, uh, a little cocaine here and there, every psychedelic you can imagine. And it's like, okay, well, okay. So this is a lifestyle. This is where it becomes clear. This is this is beyond just like, oh, well, this is a cheeky way to live during our college years. It's no, you're opting into a lifestyle here. This is, there's a little bit of a, an intentional separation from uh, quote unquote standard society when you opt into living this way. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I would say going back to like my girlfriend and I's story, we actually had had like a really incredible trip day. Um, we both took some shrooms and um, a couple of our friends took acid. And so they were still tripping, but my girlfriend at the now, my current girlfriend and I, we hadn't started dating then, but we had finished our trip and I was getting water in the kitchen and it was like 10 p.m. and we were about to go to sleep because it had been a long day. Um, and I just hear her like scuttle in, like run in. And she just looks at me and she says, I had a really good day today and I needed to tell you something. I have big squishy feelings for you. I was like, you squishy feelings? What does that mean? I think I have those too. Um, and then after that, we just talked about it more and started dating. And how long ago was that? Um. We started dating officially on April 11th of 2020. So it's been a little over a year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that the, the prior relationship, I believe, was with uh, someone who identifies as a guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm interested in everyone. No one at the same time, if that makes sense. <laughs> everyone and no just, one. Uh, Talk to me about this. Everyone and no one. The no one is particularly um, fascinating. Huh? Everyone I totally understand. <laughs> and no one. Simultaneously and no one. Now I'm all ears. Yeah, well, I definitely feel a lot of attraction towards multiple types of people. But at the end of the day, even just being in this relationship with my girlfriend has been really difficult for me because I don't necessarily, like, I, I don't, 
I don't know how to describe this. I guess the way I can describe it is when I was in high school, I started identifying as asexual. And so while I enjoy having sex and seeing people and getting to know people, dating people, um, I'm not, I don't really feel the feelings there of attraction that I, I have come to realize the majority of people do feel. Interesting. Interesting. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's more just like, I really enjoy just hanging out with by myself. And so I enjoy getting to know people in romantic or sexual relationships. But for the most part, I would prefer to just be by myself. Um, unless I find someone as cool as my girlfriend that I am in love with and want to keep making an effort. And let me ask you this. How do I want to phrase this? Okay. You're living in a house where there's 19 people. There's also apologies if you hear my son crying. We're coming up on nap time. So he's directly oh, home that's okay. Now, you're living in a house initially with 19 people, down to 13, still a lot. We all know college campuses, people, you, you know, they become shorthand. Oh, that house is the X house. This house is the Y house. That house is the Z house. You've mentioned um, your house has what sounds like a a beyond a a beyond uh, dedicated uh, ex- experimentation with uh, sounds like psychedelics. <laughs> you said I believe the quote was something like there is every type of drug in this house. Um, yeah, <laughs> I would have to imagine this is something that your house might become a little known for. You also said that primarily people live there identify in some way as queer. I'm wondering if this is an image that ties together with your house. Is this a house of experimentation slash freedom? What's the reputation here that you're opting into and perpetuating? Yeah, so we actually, at the house, we have an inside joke. We call ourselves the hot house, um, meaning that everyone lives here is hot, which is true. Um, and that's kind of our reputation, like amongst the co-ops is we're seen as like the hot house, however you want to perceive that. But the way that we kind of talk about that besides the fact that everyone here is beautiful is that like... We're just here to live our authentic selves and that's hot. You know? and, Wait, hold on. You're breaking uh, up a little bit, and this is right during a session oh no. that I, I really want to hear. Yeah, repeat that. So everybody's hot. So you live in a house where everybody's hot. You're known around comp- campus for because everyone's hot. And you started to say that that takes on different connotations. What does that mean? Yeah, so the different connotations are like, really just based in we're here to live our authentic selves and figure out what our authentic selves are. And that's what makes us hot, you know? And so that's where we get the reputation of, you know, like when we throw a party, you can go to the other side of campus and hear someone talking about it on the street and being like, yo, you need to go check out this house. Um, Or the reputation of like 
if you need something, go to this house and they can help you because they're just trying to do their best, live their authentic selves. Like they're more than welcome to help you out. Um, things like that. Does that make sense? It does. It does. It does. Hot partiers. We got hot partiers, but with hearts of gold, and they'll help you out if you knock on the door. That's what it sounds like. Hearts of gold, exactly. <laughs> it sounds like a house where someone might find safe haven during their darkest hour. It also sounds like a house where someone might stumble into a party and leave having participated in their first orgy and not necessarily known that's what they were going into that night. True or false? Am I getting a good sense of this house? Yeah, true, true. Yeah, you, you, you hit. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Oh my god, that was so accurate. <laughs> this is the house where it's like, hey, you uh, just came out to your parents and it didn't go well, and you're feeling extraordinarily alone. You need to get down there right now. These are the people who will take care of you. You're going to be okay. It's also like, hey, it's late on a Friday night. You've had too much to drink. You just revealed to me that you have a sexual fantasy you've never expressed to anyone. It's maybe a little bit taboo by most people's standards. You know where it's not going to be taboo at all? Let's get to the hot house because they were already doing that anyway. It was the theme of the party tonight. Honestly, true. Yeah, we had a few parties that were like, the theme was porno disco. So like... We all just dressed up in our slutty little disco costumes and danced. <laughs> and, and danced? Dance, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whatever mm-hmm. you want to take that to mean. Sure. Now, why why this person want to kill your cat? Um, various reasons uh, that I don't think any of them are valid. It was primarily because he was um, scratching at her boyfriend's couch. So oh, you don't kill a cat that, for that. Which I don't think is a reason to, exactly, exactly. Which is not a reason to kill a cat. And did this person I don't think there's any valid reason to kill no, a cat. Never. And did any did, did this person actually make an effort to harm an animal? So they um if you do any like research on mothballs, they're toxic to cats and they can um put them into a coma or even kill them. And this person knowing that uh, put out mothballs all over the house to try to get my cat to not go near her boyfriend's furniture. So I count that mm-hmm. as an attempt on his life. I don't like that. And that was a non-cop. That was a traditional roommate situation. You have your room. I have my room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were living in a house. Um, it was just us two, which is why I moved back into the cops. Why cops are better. <laughs> Everyone likes cats here. We have five. I mean, it's right. That's the thing. You get right. I guess this is the world you're living in. You either live in you live either live in the world of traditional squares, but where people's rage might lead towards an animal getting harmed, or you live in the basement of a house where there's psychedelic orgies happening every once in a while. It it's up to you. Make your choice. Which side of the line are you on? Exactly. You got to pick one. I want to be in the psychedelic house with the orgies. Who doesn't, who doesn't want to be in the psychedelic orgy house? Everybody does. A little tiny piece of everybody wants to be in that psychedelic orgy house. Who knows? And then also some of us just live in the suburbs with our mortgages and we're quite happy too. We'll be right back. 
Thanks to our advertisers. Now let's finish the phone call. It's up to you. Make your choice. Which side of the line are you on? Exactly. You got to pick one. I want to be in the psychedelic house at the orgies. Now, how does the admission process happen at the psychedelic orgy hothouse? I'll stop calling it that. That's not fair. That's not fair. But how does this admission process happen? How does one gain entry? Specifically, if one has to be hot. Specifically, if one has to be hot. Well, um, the first step to being hot is to, I don't know, live your authentic, like just try it to live your authentic self. And I think that inner beauty comes out. So it doesn't really matter what you look like. Um, and I, admissions is pretty easy. You just have to apply. There are, and then the nonprofit figures that out. Um, when I first moved in, there was more of like a process where you had to visit the house and talk with the members who lived there. But now during COVID, that isn't necessarily the safest option. So um, we just have people zoom into our health meetings. Um, and so there's a little bit of process from the internal house, but for the most part, um, the nonprofit does a really good job at like looking at their application, seeing who's most in need of housing, because um, I mean, the area that I live in, like living at the co-op is, just a little over 800 a month versus a normal apartment is um, like 1200. So we're also affordable housing. Um, so they also look at that. Um, but I don't know, it's not that hard to get in. Just got to apply. <laughs> you know, one thing I really love about Texas, cause I've loved it. In my life, I've traveled enough and I've been to Texas enough times that I realize I love Texas. I do. <laughs> I do. And, and people who, Why know, is that? well, people who know my politics on this show might be surprised. Yeah. And like you said too, you said, one of the first things you said, you said, I'm in Texas now, wait till I describe my living situation. It's not what you're thinking. Cause you know, when you said that you, you clearly are referencing the fact that Texas is viewed as like, you know, there's a cons real concern. Everybody says like, Oh, it's Austin. And, the rest of Texas and it, Austin's the liberal bastion and the rest of it is like super conservative. And, and I'm sure there are parts of that, but what I have found is in many parts of Texas I've been to, what happens is, I don't know if it's a reaction to, um, to some of the staunch conservatism or if it's in the same way that that maybe lives on the extreme, other people feel a lot of freedom to live on extremes of things in Texas. But it seems to me like if if you're gonna be if you're gonna if you're gonna be like I'll just say a word. I hope it doesn't offend. If you want to get freaky in Texas, if you want to be freaky, you feel as much freedom to get freaky with that sort of weird quasi libertarian. We do our own thing down here attitude as other people do in other political directions. And I feel like when people get artsy or weird or strange in any way in Texas, they own that and go hard as hell at it. And I love that. I really do love that. I could see myself living in Texas and there's very few places I say that about. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I think that's a very true way of looking at Texas. Um, definitely like the good, well, for example, even just thinking about vaccinations, right? Like the government here is 
terrible in terms of like not necessarily the best about civil rights issues and definitely trying to harm people's civil liberties civil liberties in that way. But for the most part, as long as you're just trying to live your normal life, the government really doesn't care about what you do. So like when vaccinations first came out, like my entire house is now vaccinated, which I don't know would have happened in any other state. And it's really just because Texas was like, hey, I guess we have vaccinations and uh, everyone can get them because we have no regulations. Um, and it's kind of the same thing that like they don't. Yeah, people in Texas don't really care what you do as long as you find the same people who are, you know, create your own little community. Um, yeah. <laughs> That begs an interesting question. So did you grow up in Texas? I did not. No, I'm from the East Coast. You're from the East Coast? Mm-hmm. Well, this is an enigma because you sound like you're from Southern California. <laughs> I wish. You're living in Texas. You're from the East Coast. This is uh, you're a real anomaly here. Real anomaly here. Yeah. Yeah, I like the East Coast. I'm from like the D.C. area. So it's pretty nice. But I grew up moving around a lot. My dad was in the military. So I lived in Nevada for a little bit, Florida, Rhode Island. I lived in Portugal for a few years. And uh, my family's been in uh, Washington, D.C. ever since I was in high school. So that's where I say I'm from. Got it. Got it. My question is Texas-focused is when it is known to be a place that's maybe pretty buttoned up. Um, but you say there's this, you know, sort of this lack of regulation that can be sort of joyous in its own way uh, in certain situations. Do you feel like when you are, when you are a queer person in Texas, um, when you are, someone living a countercultural lifestyle in Texas, do you feel like it lends itself towards wanting to live in a communal house? Because does it feel like you almost need more strength in numbers or is it rooted more in the freedom of like, Hey, this is a place where we can kind of live free. So let's all team up. Is it, is it born out of necessity or celebration? I guess is my question. I don't know if that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. And I think it's a combination of the both of, of both of them. Both necessity in terms of finding a safe place where you can I can exist as a non binary person and the conservative Texans aren't around me all the time, so I don't have to constantly be explaining my identity or the fact that I'm dating a girl. Um, but I think it's also just like that celebration idea when you find people who align with your values um you do want to celebrate that and create that safe community um and there is a lot of celebration through the cooperative like housing groups that i'm a part of for all of these um kind of minority identities that are i guess discriminated against in the greater state of texas mm -hmm. Have you ever seen the documentary Paris is Burning? I have. I studied filmmaking in college. So yes, I've definitely seen it. I love, I love Paris is Burning. I think you can see why I'm bringing it up. Because that seems like, 
that, yeah. that documentary, first of all, if you haven't seen it, you're out there. It is amazing. It's, it's absolutely incredible. One of the, I think a lot of people say it's one of the best documentaries ever. And it's made, I think in the early eighties about drag ball culture in New York. Um, but specifically amongst, um, like a queer black community that all wound up living in houses together with these adopted families and then would kind of represent their adopted families through these balls, these sort of quasi ball dance. It's a very, very cool thing. But the way you're describing cooperative living and people of shared values and people of shared minority status on some level or connected maybe is a more fair word. Seems like it ties right in. I'm not surprised to hear that you dug that movie. Yeah, I would say when I first watched the movie, even seeing the way that the um, people in the film were living in their communities, it really reminded me of the cooperative living. Um, we even we don't have balls or anything where we um, compete, but <laughs> and it's not a thing because of COVID. But pre-COVID, we would um, all get together at this it's a really big co-op. Um, and we would do, uh, like oil wrestling to see whose house was the best. Is this all, what are you talking about oil wrestling? The hot house throws down with oil wrestling. This is starting to sound like a late night, like a, like, um, this is starting to sound like pornography. Oil wrestling? <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, it's- yeah, you just get all lubed up and you wrestle each other in like a kiddie pool and see who wins. I don't know. When you get drunk enough, anything's fun, I guess. What kind of oil? <laughs> what kind of oil? Well, you know, baby oil, but maybe also some lube. This is just... <sighs> Do you know, I I tell you... <laughs> I think about who I grew up as and who I became and who I am now. And I've been through many phases and there was a stretch in my, probably starting in my mm, late, like mid to late twenties through uh, mid thirties where I've been so, I would have thrived in a, in a, in communal living. When I was in college, if I would not have been able to function at the hot house with the oil wrestling, I would have been crippled with anxiety and fear around the people from the hot house. I would have said, what is going on at the hot house? I can't go to the hot house. You guys would have thought I was such a dweeb, such a sheltered, stifled, stymied little dweeb. And uh, I would have felt so scared at the hot house. Oh, no. I think you would have fit right in. Um, I don't know. I mean, I grew up kind of similar vein to you because we talked about your Catholic guilt. Um I didn't grow up Catholic, but I grew up like really conservative Christian. And so like when I first moved into the co-op, I was kind of like timid and nervous. And I don't know. I think that ah, my cat just knocked um, my water bottle over. Thank you, Bruce. Um, Cat's name is Bruce. Uh-huh. That's a good cat name. I think so. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that, like, as long as, I don't know, as long as you make an effort to be kind, I feel like anyone can really make a co-op, like, fit into the co-op, especially the hot house. I feel like we're so welcoming. 
um, and here for anyone, what anyone brings to the table, unless you're going to a bar with 300 people in the middle of a pandemic, in which case we'll try to affect you. And what do your folks think? You mentioned you come from a military family and now you're revealing that you live in a uh, oil wrestling drug den. What do your folks think of this? Well, um, I mean, they're fine with it. They, they like the co-op. They've visited a couple times. Um, they don't really know the extent of what goes on here because I don't tell them because I don't think they would like that part. Um, so to them, they just think that I live in a house with my friends and I get fed five times a week. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they don't know the extent of things, so they like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you haven't mentioned to them, oh, that person's, that person's the ketamine. If you need the ketamine, that's your hookup right there. You don't mention that during their visits. I No, I don't. They do know that my girlfriend sells weed, though. Oh, they do. So I'm at least a little bit honest. Mm-hmm. How, how do they Bad. feel about that? They don't that? like it, but yeah. Well, um, the thing is, is that I have really intense chronic pain. So, like, my mom has kind of started coming around to the fact that I smoke weed because it helps with that. So, when I first like heard about my girlfriend and about like even me smoking weed, they were a bit more like annoyed with me. But now that my mom understands my reasoning. Um, she's, she's pretty on board and um, the other thing is is like I don't know I pay for all my own things so it doesn't really matter what I do and I, I want to be honest with them because for a long time I lived kind of like a double life of this is what I'm doing at the co-op but like my parents have no idea and this is what I do when I'm home and I'm this good like little straight girl you know child but once I started becoming financially independent, I didn't want to live kind of that double life anymore. So I try to be honest with them. Because um, what are they going to do? They can't pull their funding from me. I pay for everything. So Yeah, might as well get to know each other for real then at that point. Exactly. Now, we only have eight minutes left. You mentioned at the top of the call that you might be able to give a quick primer on um, your experience uh, identifying as non-binary and what that might mean to someone uh, to someone like me who's on the outside, but Scotchy on the phone right now. Yeah, um, I would love to do that. So really what non-binaryism is um, for me is not existing as either a girl or a boy, um, but existing without the concept of gender um, because there is, So people get confused between sex and gender. So with sex, right, there's female, male, there's also intersex. Um, So I'm female bodied, like, I don't know how graphic I can be. Like I have a vagina, you know, so I'm female bodied. Um, But the way gender in society is viewed is there are all these different stigmas surrounding what it means to be a woman or what it means to be a man. and I have never really identified with the concept of femininity and with the concept of womanhood. Um, Hopefully I'll be getting top surgery. Um, Eventually. I don't know if I don't plan on using hormones, like going on testosterone, but I want to get top surgery to appear more androgynous. Um, And it's, 
really just saying like, hey, why are we ascribing all of these societal expectations upon the sexes? And those societal expectations are called gender. When instead, we should just allow people to be able to exist in the form that they feel most comfortable in. And like, I, for example, have faced um, harassment. The most recent example I can think of was in a Costco, um, where like I'll be dressed very masculine, right? And so people will assume that I'm a boy and then I'll open my mouth to speak and my voice comes out and it's more feminine. And um, most recently in the Costco, this man like looked at me with such like hate and disgust and started um, being very aggressive once it kind of like, I guess, clicked in his head that I wasn't a boy like he expected. Um, and it's like, there's no need, you know, just let people live is how I view my non-binary ism. Like, just let me be me. I don't identify with being a girl. I don't identify with being a boy. Let me just wear my like suits and have my hair short and get top surgery, you know? Was that a helpful explanation? Do you have any more questions about it? Um, I mean, I think it was a very good explanation. I definitely have. It's the main thing that comes to mind is like, this has been something that we've all been talking about more and more. And I really see it being a dad now. It's really, um, it's really just such a, like, 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 why does my, why does my son love playing with trucks so much? You know, like why? Is that something, it seems like he just really took the trucks right away. Or is that just also something that mm -hmm. all the packaging on all those toys have little boys on them and that every time a truck comes by, we're like, oh, big truck. And is he being trained to do that? And at the same time, it's like, he also will go into the closet and put on his mom's shoes or he'll ask to wear necklaces. And I go, well, that's something that I bet people might've reacted poorly to or shut down a generation or two ago and- this does it like it's it's these things where I, I just do have a lot of thoughts lately in this phase of my life of going I got this little human running around in my house and I see all these ways in which things seem to bubble to the surface naturally and then other things where I go oh that's the type of thing that he would be trained out of or that someone would say you're not supposed to wear a necklace you're a boy but we're now we're in a phase where I go, I don't give a shit if my kid wears a necklace, wear a necklace, have fun. If you think that's fun, but where you start to see all these things where you go, Oh, or like how every, he has these finger puppets he loves and they're animals. And I find myself because he is a boy as of now. Um, I say all, I go all the Mr. Oh, Mr. Mr. Owl says who? And then I go, wait, that's a real thing. I just say Mr. To him. Cause I'm I got a penis and he's got a penis. So I say Mr. all the time. Uh, you start to go, oh, this is, it's a weird thing to realize. Some of this is he was born. And then I see other ways in which I go, oh yeah. And then all this gets imprinted along the way. And we do have choices about how we imprint that. Yeah, for sure. Um, 100%. Like I can just think back to when my sister got married and I wanted to wear um, more of a suit to the wedding. And, my sisters was like, yeah, that's fine. But then my mom called me up and was like, hey, it's your sister's wedding. She wants you to wear a dress. Like, wear a dress, please. I was like, 
I have to wear a dress just because I'm like a girl to you. And when, like, why can't I just exist in the form that like I feel comfortable in? Um, and I think that definitely as we progress through society, I think that hopefully more people will realize that the societal expectations we place on kids or young adults or even older adults is not conducive to mental health, not conducive to even just like equity um, and a more positive, open life experience. <laughs> I would like to think, you know, I, I do feel like it's probably one of those things that I bet a lot of parents feel right now where I just go, I feel like a big part of my job is to take a deep breath and go, what are the things that seem to cause duress growing up? And which one of them feel, which one of those, which of those things feel like things that this guy or this person um, needs to experience and which doesn't he? Like if my, I can tell you already that if like, if Cal gets a little older and he's like, yeah, I want to go to school today wearing high heels, I'll go, yeah, cool. Have fun. Like it doesn't seem like a thing to make him feel bad about or to add stress yeah. to his life about. And I, I hope, I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. Go for it. And I hope that I, I hope that I put my money where my mouth is on that when it's down the line. Cause I go, that's, I always try to look for the angle at which things seem not controversial and you go, what is the way that you feel good? What is the way that you feel the least stress, the least judgment? Let's go with that. Let's go with that. And I hope that that's uh, something I'm able to continue to commit to. Yeah, I love that. And honestly, that's all we're trying to do at the hot house. <laughs> well, you're trying to do a lot more, right? You're not just trying to wear high heels <laughs> at the hot house. You're wearing high heels. You're uh, snorting. You're snorting some K. And then you're wrestling in lube. Okay, that's a little. Let's not go zero to sixty <laughs> on this one. We're going zero to sixty. A bit. A We're bit just festival. trying to make people not feel judged for what they want to do. I know. I know you are. And sometimes that <laughs> takes on the form of slipping into a K hole while you're wrestling in lube. I know how it goes. With kids. <laughs> that's all our time. That was a good conversation. Thank you so much for having it. Thank you. It was lovely to talk to you. Caller, thanks so much for telling me not just about who you are on the inside, how you want to express it on the outside, how the ways you choose to live reflect a lot about how you want society to be, and also, you know, about all the drugs and the sex stuff, too. That helps. People, people like that stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you to our producer, Anita Flores. Thank you to our engineer, Jared O'Connell, as well as Marcus Hom. Thank you to Shell Shag for the music. Learn no more about me, my road dates. I'm getting out there, chrisgeth.com. And hey, wherever you listen to the show, if that's Apple, Pandora, Sirius, there's some version of a button that says subscribe, follow, favorite. When you hit that button, it helps us so much. If you want to hear the show without ads, in fact, if you want to hear our entire back catalog without any ads at all, you can find info on all that and more at stitcherpremium.com stories. 